On this episode of Documento, I'm speaking with Isuf Konate. He's a dreamer from the Washington, D.C. area, a true entrepreneur. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. So in this episode, we really want to address the illusion of entrepreneurship today. And there's kind of some freedom here to talk about this topic, um, but I, you know, we can just let you go off and, and then I'll add on here wherever it's needed. Yeah, you know, we are, it's, it's very interesting, you know, uh, being an entrepreneur, you know, so people used to say that it's one of the crazy, you have to be a crazy person to want to be an entrepreneur. And I never got it. And like early on, you know, like my friends used to call me an idea man. And I was like, yeah, that sounds good. You know, I always have ideas. But then later on, I started to realize, hmm, that's like a double connotation. Because, you know, an idea man is just one that has the idea, but what about the execution? And that's where entrepreneurship came to be. So I used to have a lot of ideas. I'm like, one day I had a, you know, a huge problem and I had an idea, you know, a way to resolve my problem. And I was like, that's it. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. But because I'm such a dreamer, I mean, I had a roadmap in my mind, you know, all the way down to how my users would feel about a product they had never seen, never heard of, and never even played with. But in my mind, it made perfect sense. I mean, like I had the whole thing planned out. And I mean, I had projections as far as like all the things that were going to happen. But then I was like, oops, I don't know how to code. That was my first problem. I don't know how to code. And I was like, my life is over. I can't build my product. You know? Then I was like, oh, I need a co-founder. And that was also one of the most difficult things. So I went on Craigslist and I met this gentleman, right? And he, he'd been an iOS developer for quite some time. And he agreed to meet with me over um, dinner. And we spoke about a product. He liked it. But he also felt like I was too optimistic. And then the reality would be a little green. And I was telling him, like, I need someone, like, I wanted to, I, I could pay someone, but I was like, I want someone that's fully invested because this product is something that requires passion. And in the end, it didn't work out, but it's, it left me with something that really, really burned. He said, you haven't really gotten frustrated because when you get really frustrated, you'll learn how to code. <laughs> that really hurt me because I felt powerless. I felt like, my destiny was left in the hands of other people. But guess what? I took his word for it. I bought a computer and I learned how to code. A little bit, not all the way. It was a little complicated. But then something else clicked in my mind. You can't be the jack of all trades. I realized that I could outsource my stuff. And so I went ahead and I outsourced it. And that's how I got the first iteration of my product. And it was ugly. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> it was ugly. It was glitchy. And it was not, like I designed it myself. You know, I learned how to design. I bought it too because I'm like, man, this is the real deal. You can't do what you did in college. No LimeWire, no Kaza. Buy a product. Bought the product. It's called Sketch. I designed my app. I had all my screen. I had all my flow. I wrote all my requirements and business rules. I sent it to the team and it was not what I expected. That was my first reality check, you know? And 
I was a little disappointed, but I was like, hey, it's iJob, it's a work in progress. So I sent it out. And we did this you know, series of back and forth, frustration, wanted to fire the team, all this stuff for an entire year. Finally, we had a product. I was excited, you know? But like, the, once again, the first iteration was not what I expected from a design perspective and from a functionality perspective. Finally, we got in the hands of users and it was not what I expected. There was a ex high level of excitement about the concept. But once the product was in the user's hand, it was difficult because we could not attain critical mass because we needed, you know, the product required multi-people to interact. And to be honest, we did not really think, freaking, you know, think it through as far as like, how do we get it in the hand of users? We, all, we, we, we thought about what, they, what it feels like once they got the concept, but we skipped the most important step, the adoption. Like, how do you make people get in your product? So it, it was, it's not been easy. <laughs> and it's still, it's, it's still an ongoing problem, you know? We got a better version. We got feedback. We got people to use it. But it's not what I, what I, you know, I envisioned. You know, I thought, you know, at this stage of the game, I mean, people will be using the app. It'll be well-known. I'll be doing some other stuff, interacting with other people, making big, better, bigger decisions and making more, you know, more meaningful connection and sharing what I know about, like, the journey and everything that I've learned. But it's been a little different. Yet, it's been rewarding and it's been humbling. Because, you know, as we say in Aja, like, if you're going to fail, you want to fail early. You know what I'm saying? And you want to fail cheaply. So in that regard, that has been successful. And one of the misconceptions about the entrepreneurial journey is that you have to be like, create the next big thing. And it's not necessarily that. You know what I'm saying? Some people are, are role players. Some people are superstars. You know what I'm saying? And some people are on the bench. The key is to be able to find meaning in what you do and to feel accomplished at the end of the day. And by those standards, I feel accomplished. I feel like I had an idea, I wanted to develop it, and I did it. But the illusion of like this grand plan, it hasn't come to fruition yet. That's because entrepreneurship is very, very difficult. You have to keep grinding. You have to be, keep trying this thing, that thing. It's a journey in itself. It's not a destination. It's a journey. And along the way, you meet new people. You uh, change your product. You know, you adapt. And the biggest thing is the environment, which is forever changing. So something that may not have worked, you know, last year or two years ago, finally or suddenly becomes the gold standards and you are in business. So that's the thing. You got to keep grinding and grinding till it works. So far, that is what, you know, I've realized I have not gotten there yet. You know, like I thought I, this time, I honestly, I don't know if I told you, I thought I would be in India right now managing my team because I thought I would have been funded by this time. You know, I already had a plan. I was going to do all these things and I was going to sell my car and leave and just go work in Asia and come back for a little bit, promote the product, make some more partnership. But guess what? I'm back here and I'm still learning. So, you know, 
Yeah, I mean, there's so many ways this discussion could branch off after what you just said. I mean, a lot of entrepreneurship is a mental game and a lot of things that you mentioned go back to the process. And people have that image in their head of going after that goal, the glitz and the glamour, but they tend to forget all the hard work, the rejection, the failure, you know, the grinding, the iron wheel, why, the iron wheel that is required to be successful. And I think a lot of people just give up when they're just about to succeed. So um, there are a That's lot of things that we can branch off here. One thing that I want to point out is uh, another uh, entrepreneur that was interviewed on this channel, Jaden Gross. Uh, he has a famous quote that says, don't try to be Superman, build a Justice League. And it goes back to your point of building systems where you stop trying to be <laughs> the jack of all trades. The, yes. The, does it all. When you realize all the tools that are at your disposal today. Yeah. And if you think about it, if you look at our society, we are so successful because of our ability to collaborate. But more specifically, collaborate in a flexible manner. Do you see what I'm saying? There's nothing in our world that is truly worth it that does not require collaboration. And that's why as an entrepreneur, it's important, you know, it's imperative to put yourself out there, to talk to other people. You know, like young entrepreneurs have this fear. If I talk about my product, someone's going to steal it. People are going to steal my ideas. You see, ideas, they're 5% of the journey, man. Implementation, that's the key. And you can give two people the same idea and they will implement it differently. That's why requirements are so important in software development. I'll give you an idea. You have Uber and you have Lyft. They both serve the same thing, but the implementation is different. The marketing is different. The way you think about that product is different because the triggers within the product are different because of the kind of, you know, the process itself, the collaboration that comes from, you know, the way Uber is built versus the way, you know, uh, Lyft is built. So no one is really gonna steal your idea, but even if you're, if you're thinking they're gonna steal your idea, think about how difficult it's been for you thus far. They will have to go through all the same processes, you know? Of course, if you are far ahead and, you know, another company can use some of your, your concepts to leverage what they already have, you know, you have some very important, you know, intellectual property. You have an algorithm. That's something worth protecting. But just discussing your idea, it is something that I encourage because you can't work in silo. Because at the end of the day, you're trying to create a product for the masses, not for yourself. So you need to have the users engage early on. Get some feedback. You know, be open to criticism. Even if it's not what you like, what you can, what you can do is like, you take everything that you think people say that's negative and you take it home and you're trying to disseminate why. And you're trying to, you know, play a game where you say, you know what, it's kind of like being in court. Let me prove you wrong. But from a logical perspective, you know what I'm saying? De deconstruct all the things that people say are you know, wrong about your product and then turn them into opportunities, right? You know, like maybe they can say, hey, your product does not serve that many people. And then you can say, you know what, maybe how about I make it to like a niche product, specialized to people, just take care of one specific problem, stuff like that. You see what I'm saying? And that's what you get when you open up, talking to other people, talking to other entrepreneurs, and you get mad ideas from other people. Because some people may have tried something similar to yours and they can say, hey, this is what I've learned, this is what I've learned, whatever. And then you get better. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. They say, a smart man 
learns from his mistakes, but a wise man learns from others' mistakes. And if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, you want to be wise. There are a bunch of smart people everywhere. But if you don't know how and when to use it, if you don't have that algorithm, you will not be successful. Yeah, so. it's totally true, Isuf. And if viewers can catch on in this conversation, what's really going on here, like under the surface, these are all points on entrepreneurship, but they also develop character. They make you a better person overall because you're building skills and personality traits that make you extremely marketable in any other part of life. Uh, it makes you just a better person overall to develop that resilience, that understanding, that open mind. It just grants you opportunity. So you kind of win either way. Yep. And uh, that's what it is. You have to put yourself out there. You have to collaborate because once again, that's the biggest and most important part of our you know, society, like collaboration. You know what I'm saying? Because you can meet somebody else that's like, you can meet, be a great engineer and they can be a great marketer. You know, that's like a, like a match made in heaven. It's like, oh my gosh, you bounce off of each other. But if you think about the time you have to take to learn each and every skill it takes for, you know, to create a product, you never get off the ground. And if you look at how our history as human being, we got, we made exponential growth the moment people start to specialize on specific things and collaborate. That's when things took off. You know, one person would deal with this and I would deal with that other thing. And then we're going to bring it together. Bam. Intelligence explosion. And we've never been the same since the moment. You know, now look at the technology we have today. You know, think about Moore's law. You know, the reason why that is possible is because you have this intelligence explosion because a bunch of people come together and they say, we're going to resolve one problem. So... You got to talk to other people. You got to put yourself out there. You have to share what you know, and you have to learn from other people. That is truly the only way to make it because time will get hard and you will need support. You see what I'm saying? Like other people will be like, man, don't worry. It's going to get better. You just got to hold on, you know, one step at a time. Just hold on. And eventually the storm will pass. So that's great advice. If someone's starting off their entrepreneurial journey, what's like one piece of advice you'd say for them that could, they could use starting tomorrow? Something that would be key to their success. I mean, first thing, if you have an idea, you want to test it. That's the first thing. You want to test whatever you have. Because the mind is such a beautiful thing and he has the ability to fill holes. You see what I'm saying? You can, you can literally convince yourself and rationalize every single thing and it will look amazing in your mind. But up until you test it, you don't know the validity of the product. So you got to put it out there. So the first thing is to try to break your product. If you think it's so good, share it and you know, see how people respond to it. You'll get a lot of questions because then what you do is like one of the things that we do in product development, we have this thing that we call the customer journey, right? And then you're trying to put yourself in a customer by creating a persona. And this is the person is going to use my product to do X, Y, and Z. And in creating that customer journey, all the things that may seem as obstacles, as constraints, as problems, you use them and you turn them into capabilities because the key of a product is to add value, is to resolve a problem for a user. So every problem that people will bring your way, that's gold. 
because that's now something that your, your, your solution can go ahead and tackle and hopefully successfully res, you know, resolve. That's how you strengthen your product. But talking, by exposing it, and then you, you, know, you check out the flaws. If you build a boat, you gotta put it in water. If you don't, you would never know. So that's that's my, that would be my advice. That's amazing advice. Um, Isu, do you want to give viewers a, a quick introduction uh, so they can get some background here? Uh, well, background, I'm not a techie person. <laughs> I, you know, like growing up, I wanted, to, I wanted to go to med school. I knew I wanted to work with people. I wanted to help. But I was more on like the science and medicine and all that kind of stuff. So went to the University of Maryland, did exercise science. Went to the University of Baltimore for grad school. I was still in, you know, health, policy, wellness, you know, so things related to improving the condition of people's lives. So from that point on, I started working on the Affordable Care Act, the ACA, and that is what led me into technology. And then the more I got to learn about it, the more I saw the possibilities, you know, like what a simple recursive command can do for a person's life. So I'm saying that little piece of code, you know, program to do one thing over and over and over again change people's lives you know especially in healthcare think about you know medication adherence people forget to take their medications that is a huge problem it's such a small thing to resolve but it's a huge problem and with just a few lines of codes you can fix that problem so then you start to see oh my gosh like this is very important stuff and i started getting into it you know and till the point one day i had a problem and my problem was that I had a lot of time. I wanted to help people. I just couldn't find them. And I was like, I know someone somewhere needs help. But I couldn't identify them. And I was like, okay, what if I were to create a platform that will enable people who need help and people who want to help to meet each other? But time is a factor. So it has to be live. It's got to be like in real time. And that's how I started my, my journey. I was like, I gotta build that product. So I built story. an application that's called Flare. So that's that's pretty much how I got in the game. And then if, from that point on, I got curious, learned about design, you know, learned about software development, you know, user experience, customer experience, and how the UI plays into it. Most importantly, psychology, because product development is about entertaining a relationship with a person via an object, right? If you think about your door handles, they are designed a certain way to tell a story, but you don't have to be there. You as a designer, you know, don't have to be there to tell the story of your object, to tell the story of your product. The product becomes an advocate of itself and it tells his story, it tells its origin. So whenever you build a product, you always want to keep that in mind, right? And if you think about a product like Super Mario, or Mario altogether, which was a very, very popular game. The first ever Mario player did not have a plate. But Mario was designed in a way that as you play, he teaches you the rules of the game. Once you go forwards, you can't go backwards anymore. He stops you to a certain point. And he shows you, you can jump. If you get hit by a you know, mushroom, you get bigger. If you get hit by one of those weird things you get smaller and then you start to learn and that was very simple yet intuitive user experience 
See, that's thought about the user. So whenever you create your product, and then the, the creator of Mario was not in everyone's living room teaching you how to play the game. But as you play, you learn. And as you watch it, you learn even more. So whenever you create your product, you want it to be as intuitive as Super Mario. The first time the person picks it up, they know what to do with it. Right? When you see a pen, you already know how to hold it. When you see a toothbrush, you know how to hold it. That is what you know, user-centric design is, is all about. So when you create that, you know, this is one of the biggest part of creating a product. Understanding the relationship between the user and the product itself. So I get to learn a lot about this kind of stuff. And because that will actually help you uh, strengthen your product, you know, coming up with, you know, adequate business rules, properly understanding the problem and knowing ways to tackle it in a very efficient way using what you have available, you know. You don't want to recreate the wheel. You want to be able to use existing technology and embed that in your product. So that's pretty much been it so far. There is beauty in its simplicity. That is for sure. Indeed. Uh, Isuf, I want to thank you so much for this interview. It's been a lot of fun and extremely informative. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me. All right. I'll talk to you soon. It's been a pleasure. All right. Take care.